Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash musicspeaks. That's betterhelp.com slash musicspeaks for 10% off your first month. And thank you again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Hey guys, we wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about our recent partnership with the amazing Bones Coffee Company. Let's face it, you're probably sick and tired of drinking that old plain Jane coffee brand every morning. Well, fret not, dear listener. Bones Coffee is here to kick your taste buds into high gear. Bones Coffee has a wide variety of flavors to choose from, including maple bacon, peaches and spring, island grog, and my personal favorite, chocolate raspberry. Once you become hooked on the coffee, you'll be excited to learn that they have plenty of merch options to choose from as well. T-shirts, mugs, tote bags, the list goes on. You can buy their coffee in whole bean, ground, and even evil single serve options. Guys, we wouldn't lie to you. This coffee is great, and we know that you're going to love it too, which is why we have partnered up with Bones Coffee, and now our listeners have an exclusive discount code. Make sure to use the code MUSICSPEAKS at checkout for 10% off your order. That's right, James. Go to BonesCoffee.com to kickstart your new coffee addiction and use the code MUSICSPEAKS for 10% off today. If you're anything like me, free time is limited. So things like yard work are just not doable. And if you're also like me, you don't even own a lawnmower. That is why All Above Landscaping is the right choice. All Above includes a variety of options when it comes to your landscaping needs, including lawn installation, design, irrigation, debris removal, maintenance, and much more. If you're in the city of Sumter and you're looking for reliable service at a friendly price, give All Above Landscaping a call today. It's 803-464-7414. Mention that you heard this ad on this podcast and you'll get a special discount on your first service. Again, that's 803-464-7414. Call All Above Landscaping today. Like many of you, we battle depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the one thing that we could rely on to get us through the tough times that we all face. Follow us on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music, interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and more. This is the When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast with Blake Mosley and James Cox. Hey everybody, welcome back to When Words Fail Music Speaks uh, the podcast, of course. Um, and, and if you're on YouTube, thank you for watching this on YouTube. Uh, we have a very special guest, and I, and I know him personally. 
Um, we talked about it for what, like a year and a half, probably. You know, at least, at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just couldn't make it work, but that's okay because he's right here right now. So I'm going to think about him. Kevin Jarvis is his name, and he was born and raised in the area of Sumter, South Carolina, where I um, met him. Um, he grew up hearing a wide variety of music from country class classics um, to church hymns and to hard rock. Our early favorites include John Denver. The Alan Parsons Project, and Joshua Sebastian Bach. Uh, a little later, though, he uh, evolved. He t everything changed when he discovered the world of progressive rock. Uh, the music of Yes, Kansas, Pink Floyd, ELP, C King Crimson, and more um, became, uh, became the catalyst that drove him to, to, no, to no longer uh, be content than just listen to music. He felt an overwhelming uh, desire to create it, though. Through the 1980s, uh, Kevin worked at, at learning guitar, guitar, bass, keyboard, and Mandalorian, which is four more instruments that I can't play at all. <laughs> that's okay. Um, all the all the while searching for like-minded musicians to work with. Kevin, what's going on, man? More of the usual. It's <laughs> been a minute, you know. Yeah. It's, well, well it's, it, it hasn't been that long because uh, I think last week I saw you at uh, Leo's and right. eating with yep. my friends. And uh, yeah, so um, I wasn't actively looking for you. So if, if we uh, overlooked you, we, we, we do apologize because I didn't. Oh, no. no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Because I never expected you and Summer to uh, be there. I'm like, holy crap, it's Kevin, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we saw you come in. I said, "Hey, there's." I, I understand most people will probably call you James. I know you You're was right, Andy, yeah. so I said, yeah. uh, "I said, hey, there's Andy. I gotta go speak yeah. before we leave." So. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, because I was like, "Holy crap, there's Kevin and and Art." Oh, you know, it's like you, you know, one of our. Well, I mean, you you're you're one of our very good friends now, and uh, yeah, we love you so. Um, well, I appreciate it. Likewise. Yeah. So 1980s. So okay. So you've been doing music since 1980s, or I mean, like 90s. Or... Actually, it was the 90s. I was kind of a late starter. Um, I, I loved music. Grew up listening to all kinds of music, and and just loved it. Just devoured it as fast as I could get it. I never right. really started playing. I, I kind of started discovering the music that would really change my life, probably in the very late 80s, 88, 89, 90. Um, when I really the big one was yes when I discovered yes yeah um, and, and they were just doing things musically that I had and I was going back and listening to the stuff from the 70s right um right. of course in the 80s I had heard owner of a lonely heart you know the the, the 9125 album which is a brilliant album but but I kind of went backwards and later and discovered you know close to the edge and and you and I and Starship Trooper Steve Howe's guitar playing um just just totally changed everything musically for me right, right. and then that led to the other prog rock bands and it got deeper and deeper and more and more obscure and into bands like gentle giant and you know camel yeah, and just yeah. i just couldn't get enough of that kind of stuff right so right. probably it was probably about 93 i would guess um i was uh i just decided you know i'd always kind of in the back of my mind wanted to play drums Ooh. so um my my sister got into um in cahoots with my parents and they bought me a drum kit when i was i guess i was about 23 so like i said i was it was a late a late start and uh so i started playing drums had a couple of friends that would come around with a guitar or a bass or whatever and we started you know dabbling we, we got a little task cam four track recorder 
yeah. start layering stuff together. I was having a great time, but for them, it was really just more of a hobby. For yeah. me, it was definitely a passion. I was writing songs and learning songs. And um, so, but they kept, you know, they would lose interest and move on. And so when, when somebody, whoever played guitar would move on, I had to start learning guitar. And then whoever played bass would move on, I would start mm -hmm. learning bass. And yeah. it just went from there. Um, and I was mostly doing it by myself at that point until, you know, until I started finally finding the people that I was going to be making music with for a long time. Right. What do you think you can say about drums? My, uh, I don't know if you know Kathy Outlaw, um, but she bought drums for her son, Sean, and and they were at the at Guitar Center. And uh, she, Kathy said, oh, these drums don't sound that bad. But, but when they put them in the garage back home, they're like, I got to get them out. I, I can't stand, can't stand all that. <laughs> did, did did your parents look at it that way? Like the, the drums was a good idea, and then when you brought them home, they're like, "No, we can't do this." <laughs> they, my parents, um, at the t even then, when I was still living at home then, but even you know from then on, they they from the very get go, they've been incredibly all of my family incredibly supportive of good. all of my musical ventures. Great, yeah. So yeah, they, that was never an issue. Yeah, and and, that, and that's very good when when you have people behind you, you know, rooting yes. for you. I guess you know they always knew that you were going to be a Big time musician, and you are because you have. I, I count four bands, but uh, we're gonna dive deep in that in, in a minute. But Blake <laughs> um, told me that uh, you are a big fan of Yes and John Denver the most out of all everything. He says that's definitely definitely two of, of my all time favorites and, okay. and biggest influences. There's a whole lot more, right? And those two are pretty different on the surface. It's, it'd be hard to say. Yeah, well, I was somebody can, who yeah. loves Yes and you know also love John Denver. Right. But, but I've actually found qualities um what I love about those two artists they they actually surprisingly have some similarities that I could get into if you want me to. Oh yeah, yeah please do. <laughs> well so um kind of the the John Denver is more known for his sort of easy listening hits, you know, from the 70s. Mm -hmm. But if you really dig into his catalog, he did some very very artistic things. Um, some of his chord progressions and melodies, his lyrics certainly um, just just really more take you know more of to me it was more about art than entertainment and and even some of his songs. One of his songs that I that I covered on one of the albums I released the the tribute I did a tribute to John Denver with a bunch of local musicians, and and we covered um, a song called the Season Suite, uh, which John Denver did, which is uh, thirteen minutes thirteen minutes long. Um, <laughs> It has it has recurring themes and developing themes. It has long instrumental sections. It has beautiful poetic lyrics. Um, so to me, I mean, that's that's basically what the best what prog rock at its best is all about is, is yeah. some of those yeah. things I just listed. So um, and then and then when you listen to somebody like Yes and you go back to uh, you know they're known for the big pieces like Close to the Edge and that kind of thing, but they also did songs like. I don't know if you ever heard Onward from the Tormato album. It's just a short, beautiful little love song. Um, but but really, you know, very heartfelt and, and very artistic again. So uh so, so to me there there's a lot while there's a lot of differences there, there's a lot um in common also. Yeah, so I gotta get the feeling if if you like yes and um John Denver and, and all these bands, you were kind of um more uh into the 80s and 70s music than the 90s and that's great because well did that okay so i don't know if you well you you, you remember these right cassettes i do i do I love, <laughs> man okay okay so 
I was on the nine point um um website the other day and I bought me a a, a cassette player. Oh nice. So many memories, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had many, many, many cassettes back in the day until I started switching over. I hate I hate the, the demise of CDs. I really that's my preferred uh media. Listen, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because uh uh, well, it all comes in full, full circle now because you have vinyl records, which a tracks, vinyl mm-hmm. records, which which is like the, you can't be the sound at all, and then right. cassette tapes, CDs, and then digital, and now vinyl records it's, it's taking a new resurgence. You know, I, right. of course you see them in the back background. I see here. that, yeah, yeah. that's very. And nice. now I got another. I'm going to have to start collecting these tapes because they're a lot cheaper than the vinyl records you would find. But um, gotcha. Okay, so you you prefer CDs over anything else, correct? I think so because, um, well, for one thing, um, well, you do have to be careful with them, of course. But um, well, yeah. But if you, if you take care of them, they won't degrade in quality. Um, they, you know, they'll, if you take good care of a CD, it, it should technically last your whole life. Um, it is good. It doesn't have the warmth of vinyl agreed, mm. but, but also I've found that, um, I think that I don't know the technical details of why this is, but I, but I have found that some CDs obviously have a much warmer sound than others. Mm-hmm. When I was really in the early nineties, really getting into the prog rock stuff, a lot of the albums that were not available in America, I, w- I would have to track down like Japanese imports. The one I really remember was was Chris Squire's solo album, Fish Out of Water, the bass player from Yes. Yeah. And that Japanese import and a few others I got in that time just had the, they had a, a warmth almost rivaling vinyl. Um, okay. And I don't know okay. what the difference is there, um, but there is a there was a difference. But of course, they cost a lot more also. <laughs> right. Um, but but the CD to me is the middle ground. I love the artwork because, of course, being a Yes fan, you know, I love the Roger Dean artwork, the fantastic paintings he did. And of course, those are best viewed on on a vinyl sleeve. But right. with a CD, at least you still get a five inch um, piece of artwork as opposed to a thumbnail, you know, that comes with a um, with a digital download or just you know streaming something. So yeah, I found CDs kind of weird though. I I share the same sentiment you do, um, but but I found CDs kind of weird though because uh, sometimes Japanese imports have extra bonus songs like that the American I don't like. God, because right. I had this mega death CD. I think it was a countdown to extinction or something. And I read on the Japanese import, they have like five other songs. I'm like, well, well, well why did we get that? I, I guess the Japanese um, music industry has a, has like a lot more to do with that. Or, I mean, I don't know. Do you know? I've always wondered if it isn't just to make diehards like us in America buy both versions. Yeah. Yeah. Because buy it, one that you can get right now and then you find out six months later. There's one that's a great example. The Yes uh, Union album, which mm-hmm. which a lot of people hate that album. I actually I think it has a lot of merit, but the Japanese import had one extra track. It's called Give and Take. And right. back in the mid '90s, you know, when I found that out, and I think I ended up paying like probably thirty five or forty dollars for a copy of the, the Japanese import which has, for one song. But I had yeah, to right, have it. right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why do you do this? But I guess it's like. Well, they're they're diehard collectors. We could get all the money from them, so import the CD and you know, but right. yeah, it always costs extra bucks. And so, um, yeah, but but I'm a big fan of your of, of your um, band called Farpoint. I so, so much so I got some CDs. But yeah, um, I I, I remember. I remember, yeah, yeah, it's always so, but yeah, but <laughs> but I remember sending you the picture and say, ah, old stuff. I'm like, yeah, 
But um, yeah, but um, that's those those are two great CDs. But uh, I, I if I remember correctly, long time ago, I I was reading your one of your Facebook posts and um posts on Facebook, and you were talking about uh CDs and and industry or something. I can't remember. Um, so I so I don't know if because I bought these used, of course. Um, do you know if if these used CDs that I purchased goes a little bit towards you, or all of it, or none of it goes towards you? Because uh, I wouldn't get anything, but I did the first time it sold, so that's okay. Okay, okay. I, I don't okay. mind. I, I would rather at this point, I would rather someone be listening and enjoying it, right, than it's right. sitting in a record store or a pawn shop just yeah. gathering dust. Right. So I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, 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 I had a. Uh, I had a uh, record, a vinyl record player that played cassettes, CD, and vinyl, but that broke down. So I'm like, oh man, I got it, you know. But it's it's okay. Um, but yeah, uh, okay. So you do have a few bands, like I mentioned, uh, Gray Feather, which which performed in 2017, and that's a rock band. Uh, your first band was for, for as far as I know. Correct me if I'm wrong on that in, in a minute. First band that actually accomplished anything was Farpoint, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, we have October Lane, which came out in 2013. That's folk rock. And then From the Morning with you and Ashley Holloman, 2014, and that's Alternative Folk. How is Ashley, by the way? Do you also talk? I'm sorry? How is Ashley? She's good. In fact, okay. uh, I'm playing. She's getting married uh, in a couple of weeks, and I'm playing uh, a bunch of music for her wedding. So. Oh, nice. Nice. So, yeah, <laughs> if 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 I know her like like I know like I think I know her, uh, she still hates the song "Wagon Wheel." Um, I don't think <laughs> it's her favorite, but she was you know I, I'm yeah. I'm not a fan You're honestly not. myself. You're not, but but people people love it. So we we used to play it a lot, and I still do occasionally in solo gigs, depending on where I am, of course, because people right. just like it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So your your actual uh bio on Kevin Jarvis music.net um, says that you were in uh, a pop cover band, pop rock cover band called Neon Candy. And uh, I guess that's your first thing. Oh, okay. So it was, was that your first, like first ever? No, I had, Neon Candy was, I was just kind of a side man in. I had been in Farpoint maybe five years or so. Um, we had released a couple of albums and I um I actually got asked by I'm sure you remember you know Phil up at the Music Gator yes yes let's put in a plug for Phil the best record store around Music Gator yeah. in Sumter oh um, dude he's the man Phil, yeah. <laughs> Phil's a great guy it's a great store um Phil mentioned to me that that um that there was a, a group looking for a bass player and I understood it to be just for one um one show. And while I'm putting in plugs for people, uh, Candace, the lead singer um, in Neon Candy, she's still out there playing, working hard. She's an amazingly talented lady. And uh, so if you get a chance to go see, she performs under the name Soul Candy now. So if you get a chance to see Soul Candy, uh, take it because she really puts on a good show. She's got an incredible voice. Anyway, she was just a teenager at the time, but she was putting together a band and they needed a bass player. I thought was going to be a one off, just one show. So I got a song list. I learned the songs. I went to practice. We ran through them. Everything went well. Um, and that was with uh, Dave Auerbach on guitar and Jonathan Rodriguez on drums. I know you know those names. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so we ran through the practice. And at the end of the practice, they said, well, what are we going to call the band? And I was like, wait a minute. I'm already in a band. I, I thought we were doing a show. 
Right. Um, but it turns out they had several shows booked. So I told them I'd hang in there until they found another bass player. And I think about a year and 30 some shows later, um, <laughs> I finally said, look, guys, I, I'm going to have to step away because I was t- it was starting to take too much time away from Farpoint. But yeah. it was a lot of fun, learned a lot and, and uh, made a little extra cash and uh, made some good friends. Mm-hmm. So um, so that was how Neon, Neon Candy was just like I said, I was just kind of a, a just like a, a cover, band. Rock cover band. Yeah. Um, yeah. It also says you were in a, in a rock cover band, also called Iron Soul. That one Iron other, Soul, the, yeah, that was kind of an offshoot of of Farpoint. Um, Farpoint played such an unusual style um, of of prog rock and art rock, and it wasn't wasn't a huge market for that in the live marketplace in in South Carolina. Um, <laughs> so a, a few of us um, just kind of started an offshoot. Um, not everybody in the band, but about four of us and started just doing some classic rock covers, you know, hard rock covers again. Mm. And again, I played bass in that. Whereas in Farpoint, I was primarily a keyboard player, a guitar player. Right. Um, in, in Iron Soul, I played bass. We didn't do a whole lot. We, we played out for a little while. Um, and then, then it kind of, you know, it kind of fizzled out too, yeah, but wait. it was a lot of fun. Cool. <laughs> so uh, with, with all of these bands, you had like, like four that listed five six bands that you were in um and i'm sure i'm missing a few there (laughs) in between all these years right there's Uh, been quite a few (laughs) oh yeah yeah so i'm very busy dude okay so with all these bands that you have um how many of those bands do you write for and how do you know which songs go with which band that's a that you write that's an interesting question um so so far point in the, in the original lineup of Farpoint, um, most of us wrote, um, we had in, in their first incarnation, we had a, our lead singer, Clark Boone, amazing songwriter. He wrote some really, he wrote some of my favorite Farpoint songs and we co-wrote a lot together, but everybody wrote to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when Farpoint kind of split up and reformed in I think 06, I believe it was, or 05 or 06, um, from then on, Clark had moved on, so I was I was kind of the primary songwriter, in, you know, since then in Farpoint. Although other people did still chip in, and uh, uh, so with with the, well, of course with Neon Candy and Iron Soul, we didn't do any original stuff, so that wasn't really an issue. Um, Gray Feather, um, Gray Feather is another kind of prog rock band. Gray mm-hmm. Feather is a is a long distance project. We've never played live because we all live in different states. Okay, um, that's all guys that I have. They're all from other established prog rock bands that that I have that Farpoint ended up sharing stages with at prog festivals or or that kind of thing. Okay. So I've met these guys either through that or over the internet. Most of us had shared stages at festivals, and just some people, you know, sometimes you just you meet somebody and you just click. You really like them, get along, and you keep in yeah. touch. Right. And right. so um so that Greyfeather actually um the idea came about in probably about 2007 or eight. It was way back. Um, but long distance collaborations are very difficult. So we didn't end up releasing that album until 2017. Yeah. But, but again, most of, I wrote most of those songs, although um, our, our bass player, he's from Atlanta. I think he wrote two songs on the album. Um, there's one that we all collaborated on. That was an interesting project. We had the drummer named Brian Corellian from New York. Um, we had him come up with just a four or five minute, drum track and then he sent it to wade the bass player who put bass to it and then he sent it to me and i added guitar to it then we sent it to 
you know, it was went around and everybody added their <laughs> thing around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we ended up with a, with a, I think a really cool instrumental track called yeah. uh, blood stripe that, um, that everybody's credited. So now the more folky stuff, folksy stuff, I guess I should say, um, October Lane, we never released anything original. We did release a couple of covers. So you might find this interesting. We, we uh, our first song we released, we were asked to contribute a cover of a Kiss song. This is an acoustic duo now. Yeah. We were asked to, re- to to record a cover of a Kiss song for a, uh, a, a compilation album called, uh, I forget what it was called now. It was a compilation of, of Kiss songs covered with female vocalists. Okay. So October Lane was with my friend Christy, who was an amazing singer and violinist. And so we actually covered um, A World Without Heroes um, for that um, project. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, yeah. the way she sang it, it just gives me chills to this day. Mm. So we did that. We, and then after a few years later, we, we ended up releasing it as a single. So it's on Spotify and all those places. Mm. But then uh, later on, we were asked to contribute a track. There's a guy named Randy Bishop who is a... Uh, comic book artist who does original comics he's also near atlanta and he was doing a, an original comic set in the 80s and he wanted to uh um he wanted a soundtrack of 80s songs to go with his comic book so he he asked a bunch of musicians he knew and and uh, far points on that one also but but october lane covered aha's take on me um with just just acoustic guitar and fiddle and two vocals and i think i had a little bass and percussion to it yeah, so that one's out song? there I'm sorry. Did you sing on that song? The, 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 I sang some harmony. Christy sang the lead, and I sang a little, little bit, a little bit of backup. Did you hear um, that? Back. She did. I let her do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a better, better range than I do. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 I think it turned out pretty well. And then later we did a, we were, we did a John Denver song on that John Denver tribute album. But that's mm. all that we ever released. Right. Okay. Or from okay. yeah, okay. and then okay. from the morning, our first album. I believe if I remember right was half and from the morning came about because Christy and I, we were playing a lot. The, the time we were together was October lane. We were playing out all the time, mm-hmm. um, but but she ended up getting really busy with her job and, and she had to step away from that. Um, at the time I was playing in a, I was also playing in a praise and worship band called first glimpse. And Ashley was one of the singers in that. So when, when Christy had to step away, we still had some dates booked. And so I asked Ashley if she'd fill in just really originally it was just to, to fill out those dates. But right. um, we had such a good time that, that um, you know, here we are 10, it's been 10, 11 years. And we're still occasionally, we were, we were playing, you know, 30, 40 shows a year for a while there. Yeah, now, I, because, because I've seen um, from the morning, I must've been like three or four times there, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We played a lot, but we, yeah. now we don't play as much. She's like I said, she's got a, She's teaching. She's got a job teaching yeah. and she's about to get married. So that's kind of, you know, backed off. But we still, we played maybe, maybe three shows in, in 23. So we're still, you know, we're still friends and we still, we did a, so we did that first album, which was about half originals that I had written and about half like folk or, or old gospel covers, you know, Wayfair and Stranger and stuff like that. And over somewhere over the rainbow, she sings that beautifully. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I was listening to, um, uh, your y'all's Christmas album that y'all released that was some beautiful music too. Thank you, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So that was that's what I was gonna say. Then we did a Christmas yeah. album, yeah. two original songs on it, mostly old traditional Christmas songs. Right, right. So, which is yeah. awesome. Which is, I mean, Christmas now, 
Um, we're recording this December fifth now, so it's. I mean, it's a good time. Good, good, good time to get out the uh, the holiday music again. And a lot of people don't don't like holiday music, you know. And I don't know why. That's just weird. You I know? don't either. Yeah. yeah, you're right. A lot of people don't. I think maybe yeah. it's so. Maybe they get tired of it of the yeah. same old commercialized stuff being played all the time. But I, I love Christmas music myself. Oh, I love it too. But yeah. Most of it. Most of right. it. <laughs> right. Um, the the one that I absolutely can't stand is um, uh, last Christmas. I hear not that a favorite. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, because I hear that song at work when I'm going home, and I never play it at home, so I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> when I get home, I'm like, I don't want to. Yeah, but I hear I I I heard the Taylor Swift version that was okay, and then I heard some other version that was I couldn't. Stand it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. That, that's yeah. not a favorite. Yeah. I tend to lean more toward personally. Yeah. I tend to lean more toward the, the spiritual Christmas songs. Yeah, more so than the secular. Although there are a few, there are a few secular. I mean, you know, the the emotion in "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" is just that's right. a beautiful song. It it just yeah. I feel it in my heart every time I hear it. And there's a few others like that that I really do love. Yeah. Not I don't mention the nostalgia, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you heard of um, Christmas rapping. Um, it, it's a Christmas song, but Blake hates that song the most <laughs> of all songs. I'm like, I understand now because we we did a, uh, you know, we we did a, like a Christmas thing like last year, and that was one of the songs I absolutely hated. Okay. Like, I have not heard it. I have not heard it. So. Don't don't ever you know you're like <laughs> oh my god dude this song sucks you know um, yeah. So, um, you did mention Kiss, and I want to discuss that band with you. I know that. I, okay, first of all, were you a big fan of Kiss? Uh, you know, because you did a cover song, and I'm I'm sure you've seen live or twice, right? Um, n- not a huge fan, okay. honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, they were okay, and I did. Yeah. I saw them live once with Aerosmith. They put on an amazing show. Um, yeah. but but not really, you know, not really my thing. I probably saw the same tour you did because they opened for Aerosmith. I'm like, you can't go on after Kiss. What's wrong with y'all? You know, <laughs> that, I saw them. It's probably about 04 or 05, maybe. Was okay. that when you saw them? Okay, I saw them in 2000. Yeah. 2000. In their final okay. tour. Okay. They, this was, so I guess they did one more because I saw them after. I know it was after that because, because Summer and I went together and I didn't know her in 2000. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> But, but it was um, a good, it was it was impressive. Yeah. It was an impressive show. Yeah. But the drums were loud as anything because I remember. Well, I well I, I I was on the floor, so I guess that's loud. You know, because I, I can feel that that thunder, that thumping thunder. You know, but that was a great show. I I loved it. Um, that was one of the first shows that I actually remember seeing live. Okay, and I was about like twenty one, maybe, and I went with, with my sister, and they were in Charlotte. You know, but um, yeah. So uh, so now that kisses finished which i don't believe do you believe that they're gone or do you, or do you believe that they're going to come back with some kind of you, you know I, I won't be i won't be shocked if they show back up again yeah <clears throat> yeah because uh they 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 said something that we're doing something with avatars like a digital show i'm like that's never gonna work you know well you heard what uh carl palmer's doing with emerson lake and palmer haven't you Mm-mm. you know um i uh lake and emerson and lake unfortunately have both passed away yeah, and uh, last I heard, Carl Palmer was doing—I think he called it the ELP Legacy Show—where he's going out and playing the drums to recordings and projections of, of Emerson and Lake. Yeah, I, I you I know, don't, I don't. 
I don't buy all this hologram stuff because it's, yeah. it's not real life, you know? I mean, it would yeah. be good to see Dio back again, but it's like, I can't do it. You know, I, I missed one chance. I'm not, I'm not going to say hologram, you know? Cause yeah, I agree. Laziness, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's fine if that's what Carl Palmer wants to do, more power yeah. to him, but I, it's not something that I would probably pay to go see. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 if I had the choice, I would rather go see him playing live, but then poor dude, only digital on the screen. So I'm like, I can't do that. Right. I, I, a few years ago, I was I was lucky to see uh, that when Yes was on tour, maybe five, six years ago, um, they did what they called the Royal Affair Tour. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was Yes, Asia, which only had a couple of original members <laughs> in Asia, but Carl yeah. Palmer's one of them. Right. And then John Lodge from the Moody Blues. And then Carl Palmer with his, um, I think this is what he called the Carl Palmer legacy. He had actually Arthur Brown. Remember the crazy world of Arthur Brown? Yeah, yeah. He had Arthur Brown on vocals oh and God. himself on drums and a couple of other uh, younger musicians. And they actually put on a really good show doing a lot of the old Emerson, Lake and Palmer yeah. stuff. Nice. And that was a cool show because they kind of, I know that John Lodge, um, John Davison from Yes came out and sang with John Lodge. And then Steve Howe who's with yes was an original asia member but wasn't a member of asia at this time but he came out and played with asia and then i think john lodge came out and sang with yes so it was a nice evening of, of uh collaborations between a bunch of my favorite musicians so that was kind of nice cool. nice so so if i asked you um would you rather say yes or foreigner you would automatically say yes absolutely or, okay yeah. all right so foreigners i don't well i think foreigner is Still a band, but I don't think it's all original members, right? Or did they like call it quits? I believe the last I heard, they might still have maybe one. Um, I, and I liked, you know, I liked Foreigner in their day, and I think Lou Graham's a great, great singer. Yeah. Um, he had some great solo stuff too, but he's been he's been going for the band for a very long time, and I and that's fine. I, I'm not a I'm not one of these people who says, oh, if you can't have all the original members, you got to quit. You know, I, I say this, you yeah. know, that's. That's just up to them if they want to keep playing in there, you know, especially if it's kind of an evolution of one member leaves and you replace him. Here's a great example. Um, I have tickets to see Kansas in January. I've seen Kansas probably 10 times live and they've slowly, you know, changed out members over the years and they've replaced them with some very, very strong musicians. And uh, last time I saw Kansas, maybe about two years ago, totally blew me away. It was as good as I've ever seen them as tight and powerful as they've ever been. And, uh, so as far as I'm concerned, even though there's only two original members in the band now, yeah. Um, but but the bass player's been with them for thirty some years, and you know, and they're just really really high caliber musicians. I've got no problem with that. And and so between Foreigner and Yes, um, nothing nothing against Foreigner. <laughs> nothing against, um, yeah. Well, I mean, they're both great bands. I mean, so yeah. I mean, you you really can't go wrong with your, your choice, you know. Right. I like both of them, but for me, it's it's Foreigner because um I just love the Coke song, you know, feels like their very first time. That's that's got to be the, the one of the greatest songs in history today, you know. Yeah, well, I always I was always fond of uh, this is I think a little maybe a little later. I don't I want to know what love is. Mm. It's a beautiful yeah. ballad. Yeah. I was maybe I don't know maybe twelve or so when that came out, thirteen. Yeah. I don't know, but it was just a beautiful, you know, very emotional kind of ballad. And that was probably my first exposure to Foreigner. Okay. But yeah, I've always I've always liked them. Yeah. So uh, during the during the days, um, what time of day do you um, find it more easier to create songs and music and write little lyrics? That is an interesting question. I've never really thought about it. Um, 
Because I know, I know. like in the morning you get up and I, I feel like people are always more creative in the morning because you, you know, you wake up and you get refreshed and drink coffee and during the, during the afternoon, you kind of dwindle down and like, I don't know. So do it's interesting you would ask that today because I actually got up this morning and wrote a song that I'm really pretty happy with. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I've written, um, there was a, um. A, a day about maybe three years ago when uh, Summer and I were in the mountains on vacation in a beautiful little cabin Airbnb kind of thing. And and when we came back home from what all we'd been doing um, and she went to bed and I grabbed a guitar and went out on the porch and wrote three songs that ended up on the Green Swamp Collective debut album. Um, oh, yeah. We forgot to mention Green Swamp because yeah. that's, that, that's your band now. So, um, yeah, because I heard that, great things about that band. Awesome, amazing things. Well, well, thank you. That's good to hear. Yeah, that's that's my that's where all my energy is going right now. Yeah. But, right, but yeah. that first album was 12 songs. Three of them were written um, within about 30 minutes that night, just out on the porch in the in the mountains. It was just such a beautiful night and beautiful location. So I don't know. I don't know that I have a set time of day. I think it just depends on I try to write to force myself to write. You know, mm. just just like to practice at it. Um, yeah. And sometimes I can, and and sometimes just nothing happens, or sometimes I write something that's really terrible and and just throw it away. Um, yeah. But like, I find that the best stuff seems to happen when it just happens naturally. You see that? That's why I constantly hear after after three years, um, because it seems like you won't expect and you won't expect the song to be the way it is uh, by forcing it. You can't really force anything to happen by right. By, but only by 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 stupid luck, some band members can do that. But but the, the majority is like, oh my god, I got I I I got an idea on the spur of the moment, you know, kind of idea. Yeah. I do think that's the the best way to to do it. But at the same time, I think songwriting can be, you know, it can almost be like if you force yourself to work at it. And experiment with yeah. chords and melodies and lyrics. You can you can get better at it, um, and then when when the inspiration does strike, you might be more equipped to to be able to accomplish you know to 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 make a reality of of what's in your head or your heart at the time. Right. So it's yeah, probably it probably takes a little bit of both, I think, to be really you know to really nail it down. Yeah. So my next question is going to kind of piggyback on the last question I asked you. What's your favorite time of the day? Um, when you, you said you were in the mountains writing songs, so I, I, so my question for you is what motivates you to create? And I think, and I think being in the mountains or, you know, something yeah, you see, oh, does the stuff that you see motivate you or do you gotta like remember from like past memories? Well, my biggest motivation honestly is, um, and this is a little more abstract and then I'll get into something a little more concrete. Yeah. Um, I think that to me. Um, music is, it's pretty obvious to me that, that my belief is that, that music is a gift from God given to us. There's no real other reason for us to be moved emotionally like we are by music. I believe so. So I feel like, um, there's no more godlike trait than creativity. No, um, God created everything, everything there is in my, in my belief, God created it. He's the ultimate creator those of us who want to be close to God should be the most creative people. And so I've always felt a drive to, to create almost as a way of giving back. I've been given this, 
And I'm not saying I'm a gifted musician because I'm not. I work and struggle <laughs> oh, yeah, for everything on, I do. Yeah, no. <laughs> but but just the gift of music in general, I, I would like to give that back, back to God and back to other people. Yeah. So um, so that's that's the big picture answer to your question. The more concrete answer is what I have learned is anytime that you that you feel a really strong emotion about something, mm -hmm. um that's a prime time to try to write because, because when those emotions are, are raw and real and deep, um, it kind of shakes something loose in your soul. Mm. Uh, I, after when my mother passed away, you know, my mother and I were very close and she loved music and poetry yeah. and, uh, and the far points, I want to say it was maybe our sixth album, which was called paint the dark. Um, I probably wrote 80% of that album within three months after my mother's passing oh. because it was just, I, there was everything. Emotions were just so raw at that point that every time I picked up a guitar, something came out that I liked. Mm. Um, so I, I think that, you know, as a songwriter, my, 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 what I've learned to do is whenever I feel anything, if I, if I feel, you know, sadness or extreme joy or anger or frustration or whatever, when you feel a strong emotion, that could be a signal it's time to go grab an instrument or a notepad and, and start seeing what you can, you know, put down. Right. Right. I want to go off the, um, off, we'll piggyback off what you just said about um, God gave us music and uh, life and everything. Um, I, I completely agree with you, but what do you think about those people who says like heavy metal and rock is the devil's work, you know, because I mean, to me, that kind of music moves me more than, say any kind of um other other music uh, although i do love country the most you know but but rock and metal is like more um emotional for me sometimes more than any other mm -hmm. you know so well, I, my I just thoughts wanna... on that would be it would kind of depends on um okay i do believe that artists are they should have a social conscience right that if you're going to be influence if you're going to have influence over people mm -hmm. in society i believe that you have a responsibility to make sure that influence is a positive one yes so i believe if if music is is influencing people in a negative way then that's not a good thing no having said that uh psalm 150 is very plain about uh about praising god with with loud crashing cymbals, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, that's, that's, yeah. that's David's words, not mine. Right, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you know, it mentions all manner of stringed instruments and, you know, and dance. So, um, so I believe you can, you can share that gift. You can, in a, in a positive way, you can praise God with loud, aggressive music. Right. Um, right. As long right. as you are, you, you know, as long as you are careful that, that, the message or the influence that you have in that music is a positive one. Right. And, and that's, again, I could be totally wrong on all that, but that's what I've come to believe over, over the years. No, cause um, there, there's this, um, I don't know if you heard this. Well, you probably heard of this term. It's uh Christian metal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, disciple is like one of the greatest Christian metal bands and they preach these and I'm, I'm fully with them. And, and uh, I don't listen to much Christian metal cause I'm, cause for me, uh, I, 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 I just know Disciple and Demon Hunter. Demon Hunter is like, like one of my favorite Christian metal bands of all time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure, pretty sure you've heard of that band too. But, I've heard of them. I'm not sure that I've heard them. Yeah, but I have uh, I, some. Actually, a couple of the, a couple of the people that sing in the praise team with me at church are fans. So I hear them yeah. talk about them. Yeah, they're great. So, they're yeah. great guys, because I've been on like once to Western Nerve Camp. You couldn't be more um, honored to meet me as much as I went them. And I've had Yogi, the drummer, on on the show. So I need to get them back. But they're, yeah, they're great guys. But I think you're right. I think if you want to spread the message, um, it should be positive. Like I'm pretty sure you've heard of Doja Cat, maybe. Who? Doja, Doja Cat. Don't think so. Yeah, she has a she has a, a song called Demons, and it's utterly the, like the crappiest song ever made. You know. <laughs> so I have no shame in saying that. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That. But. If you're interested in looking at it, look into it. But my, uh, it's crap. So don't don't even bother with it. I, I won't. Yeah, I won't. Bother. Okay, good. good, good. <laughs> There's well, too much good music out there to waste yes, time on bad music. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's why I don't listen to Doja Cat. She's really terrible to, to her fan base, which I don't think. You know, I mean, respect your respect your fan base. You know, because they are the ones buying your stuff. They're yeah. the ones buying your. CDs or um, <laughs> digital copy, you know, it's all weird. So I don't understand that about artists sometimes, but you know, it's whatever. So, um, okay. So when you play music, what do you like most about it? Oh goodness. You talk about like playing live? Or... Play, play it live, play it in the house, play it by yourself, gotcha. listening to it. I mean, like, like what are your, like, are you, emotionally connected to most to most songs or like how do you perceive music in your head when you play it um generally i'm very very strongly emotionally connected if i'm playing it there are exceptions um we, we mentioned wagon wheel earlier yeah but, right. but for the most part i try i try not to play songs unless i have an emotional connection to them so um whether i'm playing you know like you said sitting around the house playing you know picking on a guitar or or with a band or with us at a solo gig. Um, yeah. Music is an extremely emotional thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I really, I can't imagine a life without it. Um, yeah. So it, it's like, like your the name of your podcast. I totally, I totally relate to that because right. it's just right. a, it's just a, a means of a, it's a means of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a, emotional release it's just so much that there's nothing else like it so yeah that's what we what we try to try to bring out because we do it for um mainly people who love, who love music and enjoy this podcast but i but i feel like if this is mainly for a musicians because i want to get to know inside y'all's head you know how do you create music and all but Primarily, it's for people who have anxiety and depression, like me. You know, because we don't want any, I don't want anybody to go through the way I do when I'm depressed. You know, and music mm-hmm. just takes takes it right out of me, takes all the depression right out of me. And I want everybody to feel the way I do when I'm not depressed. If that makes sense to you, absolutely, it does. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, now we're getting into some to some fun uh, questions here. Uh, who is your ideal musician to collaborate with, and why? Any musician. Um, hmm. Any musician, dead or alive. Living or dead. Oh goodness. Oh, um, 
Well, let's do let's do pass away, and then we'll do alive. So okay. Two. Passed away. Okay, so so a couple of my huge influences and and musical heroes. Can I do more than one? Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is your your interview. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I always, I, I've we've talked about him a little bit already, but but John Denver, John, yeah. um, <laughs> I knew it was definitely yeah. would be one of the. He just he just had a way. He's first of all, he seemed like such a nice guy, and yeah. he, he yeah, really down so stood for what he believed in. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that he. I even heard an interview once with him where they said what he, what would he want to be remembered for? Would he want to be remembered for his songs? And he said more than that, he would rather be remembered for someone who stood up for what he believed in. And uh, okay. so I just I think he I think he and I would have gotten along well. And uh, and I just love the way he finger picked the guitar. He's, he's under you know he's an underrated guitar player. I think Very people, underrated. Yeah. people thought of him as a singer primarily, but he was a really really talented guitar player. Um, so he he would be one of them because I think we'd be on the same page on a lot of things. Another that maybe is not quite as well known of a name, uh, John Wetton. Who was uh, goodness? He was a bass player in so many bands. He was in Asia, King Crimson, UK for a while. He was in he UI, he Roxy Music, yeah. you know, um, a ton of bands. Um, and then he had some really, some really moving solo albums. I always kind of felt a little, even though I never met him, of course, a, kind of a spiritual mm-hmm. kinship with him. Um, I, I've even written a couple of songs. Sometimes when I write songs, I'll, I'll write them with a particular songwriter in mind, like hear them singing it. And, and I wrote a couple songs kind of with John Wetton in mind, yeah. um, thinking this would have been a good song for him to sing. So, yeah, those would probably be, probably be there's more. There's oh, yeah. more. But, uh, <laughs> but right off the top of my head, those two. All right. Oh, so give me two alive people. Okay, let's see. Yeah. This might I mean, be tough. Like Pretend like I could set up any, any, uh, musicianship who would you want me to get for you well this is this is not, a tough one not, to answer I'm because not saying, i'm not saying that's going to happen oh, <laughs> oh i, <know. laughs> I understand. not yet I understand. you know not yet but <laughs> maybe in the future yeah but, but maybe who yeah. knows maybe, yeah, maybe yeah um my biggest problem in answering that is that the, the musicians who i really admire and respect i'm kind of i'd be kind of intimidated to sit down and play with them probably yeah, yeah. um that's you true. know I'd probably have to say Steve Howe uh, from Yes again because he just his, he just had and still has just such an incredible style, recognize instantly recognizable style, and and um, you know his music just really changed my life. And I, if I could pick another one, I would probably say um, as a as a producer, he's a musician, but he's more known as a producer, Alan Parsons. Mm, yeah. Um, his music from the very get-go, and again, that was my first favorite band was the Alan Parsons Project. I found a cutout cassette of Eye in the Sky for a dollar cool. in Camelot Music. And I, and I was like, wow, every song on this album is is brilliant. So, um, But I over the years, I became a, a huge fan of Alan Parsons and Eric Wolfson, who was the other half of the project, and their session musicians that they used. But um, his his production style and the, just the, how everything sounded so beautiful and crystal clear and, and perfectly balanced. And um, I would love to be able to, to record and have Alan Parsons engineer and produce my recordings. Nice. Nice. Well, I mean, sky's the limit. So maybe one day I can hook you all up and I don't know, you know, anything possible. Hey, absolutely. That would be wonderful. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, 
So tell me about your, about your favorite performance in your whole career to the eighties to now. What's what's your favorite performance of all time that you that I've that I've witnessed or no that you played that I've played? Yeah. Um. There are a couple that stick out. There's one very recent one actually with with the new band, the Green Swamp Collective. Um, we played back in August up at a place in Newberry called uh, Many Moons Artistry. Really cool little venue up there, and uh, we had we just had we had a lot of we had some good friends and family show up. Um, we had a lot of a good crowd of people that we didn't know, and we just we'd been playing a lot through the summer, and the band was just really tight. Every we all get along really well, and that was just a really fun, high energy, very tight performance that um that uh I always remember that. But hopefully there'll be more coming up you yeah know, that'll yeah. be better but as of right now <laughs> that was kind of the pinnacle of of this band's mm. um performances so far mm. there is another one that is there was there was a far point show back in 2011 mm. um spring may june somewhere in there that was at the silver opera house um that we recorded and released as an album live at the silver opera house yeah but um that one um all my family was there for, including my mother, who was really declining in her health. Oh, and that was her last, that was her last Farpoint show. Um, she passed away, the, I think, the following month. Yeah. But she was there. My parents were there. My brother and my sister had come from out of town and were there. And uh, so that one, although, you know, it wasn't a perfect performance. We made our share of flubs. But it was a, it was a good performance. But but had just having uh, my, my parents in the in the crowd there and cheering us on, that, that's another one that I'll yeah remember nice well sticking with the favorite favorite thing um what's your favorite concert that you've seen okay i know i know this one hands okay. down um, <laughs> okay it was yes on the masterworks tour i think that was around 2001 kansas was opening and uh so being the masterworks tour they were playing all their big huge masterpieces yeah. and i think that what happened i've I had, i've seen both of those bands so many times but that was the best I've ever seen either of them. And I think they were, they knew that they had to, you know, bring out the big guns because they didn't want to be overshadowed by each other. <laughs> they both just really just, it was, they were both just at the very top of their game. And uh, it was an amazing, amazing night of music. So you don't need to mention this next, this next um, venue, I guess, that you been to describe your worst performance and if you can remember what what did you learn from that experience? <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, Without because I don't know if you want to play the venue, you know, because I'm pretty sure they they've invited you back, or I don't know what you know. Well, th this one, the one that comes to mind immediately, um, it, that wouldn't be an issue. Okay. It was the <laughs> the very first Far Point show ever. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was it was 1998, uh -huh. and we had been asked. There was a, a gathering of Yes fans um, that got together once a year and camped out, and they called it Yes Camp. And they would play Yes music all night. And um, I didn't know at the time, but they would get high and listen to Yes music all night and uh, and have just have a good old time. Oh yeah. Well, they found out about us and knew that we were fairly local. This happened down near, not too far from Charleston. Mm -hmm. So they asked us to come play, and uh, we did a couple of Yes songs at the time. And they said that um, they would have us a nice big stage and, a, and you know, P 
PA and all this stuff, and it was going to be really good. And I can't. There's no way I could go into everything that went no, wrong yeah, yeah, that yeah. night. <laughs> but a couple of a couple of things. Well, first of all, when we got there, um, it was out in the middle of the Francis Marion National Forest, and they had put up these tiny little flyers about this big, pointing where to go. Mm-hmm. And our sound man at the time, he had, we had printed out some nice big full page flyers. So he started putting those up wherever they had a flyer with the arrow, you know. And when we got there and told them what we had done, they started getting really nervous. And and uh, we, we realized that they didn't have permission to be there. We weren't supposed to be there. So we had hauled all of our gear and they were like, oh, no, I hope that all the park rangers have gone home, you know. Oh, no. And uh but we were there, so we, you know, so we go over to the stage to set up, and among other things, they built a temporary stage out of quarter-inch plywood. Mm. Quarter-inch plywood. Now, I don't know. You, you can you can tell from just seeing me from the chin up. Yeah, if you've yeah. seen me, you know I'm not a small guy. No. <laughs> so, so put me and a, a keyboard and a couple of guitars and a guitar amp and a pedal board on a stage made of quarter-inch plywood. It was a and then, you know, Rick's drum, I don't know if you've ever met Rick, my drummer, who's played with me in so many different bands, but Rick's big old, his drum kit looks, you know, kind of like Neil Peart's drum kit. Oh, sure. you know. So put that on a on a stage made of quarter-inch plywood. Um, and then, of course, you know, by the time we started playing, um, very few of them probably knew really what was going on at all. And we did make some good friends that night and some fans, some longtime fans. Yeah. But, um, they were running, the sound was run off of a generator, which you could hear the generator running. So we had to compete with that. It kept running out of gas or shutting off. Oh, um, no. yeah. It was just, a, it, it was, there were no stage monitors. So we were having to just listen to the, the main, the mains. Um, it was kind of a disaster, but uh, oh, I couldn't even begin to tell you what all we learned from that night. We learned okay. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you learned everything from that. Because that, that started at your whole career, and you're like, I know what to look for from now on. You know? I learned a lot about what to what to expect and what to prepare for, and and uh, you know, so it, it was it was. So did the park rangers kick out, or did you finish a whole show? We finished the whole show. Nobody ever showed up. Nobody got oh, arrested. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is good, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so we have one more question for you, and I think this is going to be the hardest I've ever asked you. It's literally the hardest for every musician that was on here before. Um, but band, artist, or song, if you can, if you can tell us off key, how, who, um, can you listen to? Uh, but you can't tell me. Summer or our friend Jeff, how it makes you feel deep inside your soul. Okay, ask me that one more time. <laughs> I want to make sure I get it right. Okay, so give me a band, artist, or album that you can hear, you know, listen to. Um, and it just moves you so so much. You can't tell me, it's Summer or Jeff, how it makes you feel deep inside your soul. It's unexplainable <sighs> for you. Well. To, to, to tell us there's there's so many um because because yeah words fail um like like the name of the podcast <laughs> that's why this that, is the hardest thing you know hardest answer to answer question. i mean i i could i could probably rattle off so many songs that have moved me in a way okay that, that there are no words for give us two two songs or, or album or artist you know 
It could be anybody. Okay, I'm going to move away from the 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 yes John Denver answer okay. because yeah. I, because there's so yeah. many that, that that would fall in that category right, under right, right. them. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to think of something. So <laughs> so because there are so many among my favorites, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, I'm going to go into my experience with songs that I wasn't expecting. Okay, okay. something that hit out of left field and did that to me. Right. Um, Black Water by David Sylvian. Um, the first time I ever heard that song, um, it was on a, uh, you may be familiar with the Echoes radio show that used, used to be on NPR. I'm not sure if they still are. Oh, okay. um, yeah. I but I heard this song start and it was late at night and, and I just, I, I, I can't, I can't describe, um, what that song made me feel. Mm-hmm. And, uh. It, it was a it was a combination of the music, the delivery, the lyrics, everything. Um, just totally just bowled me over and brought tears to my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, another kind of obscure one, the same way, totally unexpected, had never heard of the artist before, was a song called "The Turning Ground" by Carolyn Lavelle. Okay. Um, I highly recommend everyone go check out those two songs. Um, those are two songs that just you know, there are no words for how those songs still to this day make me feel. Yeah. Well, you've nailed all I said, man. You answered the question perfectly because I mean, <laughs> there's no words, right? So how can you right. answer the question without any words? So, um, yeah. So, uh, for anybody listening to this podcast or YouTube video, um, you can go to kevinjarvismusic.net um, and and uh, get links to his all the bands. Um, I need to update it. It's a little bit outdated, okay. but yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's Gray Feather, Four Point, October Lane, Friends in the Morning, and Green Green Swamp Collective. Green Swamp, yeah. And and there's a few others too, but but uh, those are the main ones. That, yeah. um, Green Swamp Collective is the big priority now. Um, right. We we have we have an album and several singles out, and more on the way, and we're playing. If anybody's listening, like here within the next day or two we will be at the Sumter original brewery this friday night our first time there we're really excited about it um doing a bunch of originals and a bunch of uh of of our arrangements of of covers that we think people like mm-hmm. and um working on a second album that we hope to have out early early to middle of next year nice and that's there's a website also greensaltcollective.com that i keep more updated than I keep my personal web page. <laughs> uh, so all of these bands are on Facebook and Instagram, correct? If I might. All on Facebook, not Instagram. Okay. They're all on yeah. Facebook. Um, most of them have their own web pages. They all have music out on Spotify, yeah. YouTube, Everywhere. iTunes, Amazon, all those places. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Bandcamp, all those places. Right. Yeah. One more question before I let you go. Is Greyfeather coming back with any kind of like, like record or something? Um, it's a great album. Well, thank you. I'm glad you asked. Um, we are we 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 probably won't do another album for okay. for several reasons because it's just, um, just like it's a tremendous amount of work. But right. we are working on a song. I wrote a I wrote a song called "The Dreamer" about maybe two years ago. It's about nine ten minutes long. One one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Didn't quite suit Farpoint, but it was a little too prog rock for uh for the folk <laughs> bands, right? Um, and so I, um, I, I just sent a message out to the gray feather guys again, one's in, one's in Louisville, Kentucky, one's in Atlanta, one's in Baltimore, one's in New York. And I just said, Hey guys, 
I got this song. I really like it. I think it might suit Greyfeather. Um, would you, you know, would you guys be interested in recording it, just releasing it as a single? Mm-hmm. Everybody chimed in. They'd love to. So um, the drummer has it now. He's supposed to have us some drums in the next couple of weeks, and then right. it'll go to everybody else. And uh, um, and I, th- I think it's coming together really well. So the drums are recorded first before any other, right? You well, got to get the backbeat first. That'll be the that'll be the 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 skeleton of the song. There are probably some of my parts. I was very careful recording some acoustic guitars and some keys to a really strict uh, click track. Yeah, so okay. hopefully they'll hopefully some of the that if it's locked in good and sounds good, some of it I may not have to redo. I'm hoping that's the case. But whatever it takes to make it sound the best. Amen. Um, can make it sound so hopefully yeah. next year we're hoping to have it done next year yes yeah yeah because uh to be honest with you more bands are doing singles than releasing albums you know right because not not too many albums have has all bangers you know i mean there's a few out there but it's like you know one or two one or two songs that, that people like the, the most right and right. i don't feel like the bands are getting the most uh, out of what they wanted, what they wanted the album to. That's why yeah. I come up with singles, and you know, so yeah. And, and also, it's just you, you know, people. That's how people listen. People listen yeah. to people. Don't really a lot of people. A lot of people do, but a lot of people don't really listen to albums like they used to. I should yeah. point out, since you mentioned Greyfeather, though, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the that John Denver tribute album that I did. Um, oh. The so the way it came about. This is I think this is kind of cool. When Greyfeather was recording our debut album. We had started recording a cover of that 13-minute season suite, John Denver season suite song, and uh, we didn't get it finished in time to go on the album. We wanted the album to go out, you know, before it was 10 years in the making, mm-hmm. but we had most of the song recorded. So I had an idea. This was about four years ago, to let each of my bands record one cover of a John Denver song, and we would let Greyfeather finish the season suite. So we did, Farpoint did a, a John Denver song, October Lane did one, uh, From the Morning did one, First Glimpse did one. I did a couple just by myself. And then I got a couple of other friends to each chip in a song or two. And I ended up, that album was released in 2020. It's called um, I Should Have Been Home Yesterday, okay. celebrating the music of John Denver. And it's, I think, about 15 John Denver songs. Cool. And it's well, been really, really well received. It's been one of the most well received albums I've ever put out. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out after this interview. Yeah, it's on Spotify and all those I places. I love John Denver. John Denver's got to be the most underrated, like, like you said, underrated um, yeah. singer and guitarist ever made. So, yeah. Well, well check out Grey Feather or Farpoint doing prog rock approaches to John Denver songs. And Green Swamp. <laughs> always and, to and Green. Yeah, Green. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing I wanted to say. We've talked so much about prog rock. I want yeah. to make sure the listeners know that Green Swamp Collective is, is very much a, a folk and bluegrass informed band yeah, okay. we're, we're not a prog band we're a we like to take an artistic <laughs> approach but it's more you know we have a fiddle player mandolin player although there are a couple of farpoint members in the band with me mm-hmm. um it's, it's very much a, a folk bluegrass kind of americana roots rock kind of thing so if that's if that's what anybody's interest is they might appreciate that one nice nice well we honestly um I, well i honestly thank you for coming on sorry it took us like a year and a half to do but we're here right now making it happen <laughs> So we, I've really enjoyed it. Glad to yeah, be here. So we want you to come back anytime you want to. And uh, yeah, so anybody listening to this podcast, always remember when words fail, music speaks. Bye, guys.